This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 9? Luke and chapter 9 and verse 51. Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. And um, I'm going to title this talk tonight, Look Forward. Look forward. Uh, in our community across town um, in Seattle, we've been talking about a simple concept, and I want to introduce this to you just to kind of give you a bit of framework and kind of the premise or the platform that I'm going to be kind of working from so that we can all kind of get on the same page here before we get too emotional. And, and here's the platform. Here's the framework we're going to work on. My, my question is this. My provocative question tonight at Zoe Church right here Sunday night is, what are we more committed to? What are we more committed to? The future or the past? What are we more committed to? The future or the past? Now, before we go any further, right about now, you're thinking to yourself, wow, great thought. It does make for a good preach. It does make good for a good teach. It does make for a good talk. But how many know it's easier said than done? What I mean is our propensity in our human condition is to be drawn almost magnetically to the known, right? Somebody comes back from a vacation from the Grand Canyon. They're like, yo, the Grand Canyon's amazing. You were there like eight years ago. You're like, I know, bro. I've been there, right? The old statement, been there, done that, got, got the T-shirt. Love connecting with my audience really out of the gate. So... It's cool, it's cool. We'll just keep, keep moving. Um, there's something in our condition that wants to say, I know. I've been there. We're actually incredibly prone, even subconsciously, to be drawn to what has been done, what is known, and what is perceived as safe. So we can all sit here tonight and go, oh, we're, we're committed to the future. But if you look at your interaction, if you look at your priorities, if you look at your verbiage, if you look at your conversation, if you look at your interaction, in reality, oftentimes, we are, in fact, far more committed to the past, far more committed to the known, far more committed to the safe, far more committed to the predictable, far more committed to what has already been done. And yet, the direction of faith is always forward. That's going to be forward tonight, okay? The direction of faith is always forward. In fact, I don't want to insult your intelligence, okay? This is all, all of this is just, this is, this is pre-funk. We're not even in to the message, okay? The, 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 don't, don't be insulted. But it, I don't know if you've noticed, there's actually only literally one way to live life on earth, and God designed it this way. Have you noticed what it is? Just look at your watch, if it's working. It's forward. There's actually no other way to live. We, we fool ourselves when we think we can live in the past because in reality, there's only one way to live. God designed it that way, and it's forward, forward. I want to talk about looking forward. It says, when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Listen to the language now. He set his face, if I could say it this way, forward. Now, what you may not know about the, 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 the Greek language, actually steeped in Hebrew, this is the strongest possible language to describe the resoluteness of Jesus to move forward. 
And the reason he had to set his face forward, which is the fulfillment of prophecy, Isaiah 50 and verse 7 or 17, I can't remember, but it says, and the Messiah will set his face like flint towards what? Jerusalem, which is the cross. He will go to the cross. He had to set his face. He had to decide, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be detoured. I'm not going to be distracted by the right, the left, or back. I must move forward, even though forward is going to have some bumps and some bruises and some pain and some agony. I must face forward. I must keep moving forward. Right? So the language here is not Jesus decided it was time to begin to skip towards Jerusalem. He, he set his face so much so you can read this in the Gospels. He actually wouldn't take a meeting with some Greek people. And he likes Greek people, in case you're Greek. Um, <laughs> but he said, no, I can't meet with them. Because he had set his face to Jerusalem. Now, I want to read another passage to you in 2 Timothy in chapter 4, and I'll do my best to connect these in the next few minutes. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6, it says, as for me, this is now the words of Paul. Ironically, we're going to learn how to look forward, learn how to look forward by looking at a man who looked back over his life, but his days were coming to a close. This is the great apostle Paul. He will write this and he will not live much more than nine months after this particular writing. He says this to his star pupil, Timothy. He says, now as for you, my life has already been poured out as an offering. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight of faith, finished the race. I have remained faithful. Now verse eight is what I want to pick up tonight. It says, if I can see what it says, and now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. This is, this is the phrase that got me. This is it. This is the only thing we're going to talk about. It's not going to take that long. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly, New Living Translation now, who eagerly look forward to his appearing. To all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Very, very basic. We're going to understand how to set our face like Jesus. And by doing so, we're going to look at this particular scripture and ask the all-important question, how do I eagerly look forward to his appearing? i got a funny little question for church kids, okay? Bear with me if you're not a church kid. When's the last time you heard a sermon about the second coming of Jesus? Exactly, and that's a problem. We need to talk about his second coming. And in case you're wondering what we're talking about tonight, tonight we're going to talk about the second coming of Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's what we're going to talk about. That's great. I'm so pumped that you're excited. Jesus, thank you for the moments that we share. Thank you for Zoe Church. It is my privilege to come tonight and again add to all the prayers that have been prayed and pronounce a blessing over this church. I pray this church will always be filled with life, even as it has been named supernatural God-given life. May people always flood to this place and flow to this place and this space and find life and life more abundantly. Father, we pray for Chad and Julia. We pray for the entire team. We pray for all the staff. We pray for for all the volunteers as they have given so much energy and so much life we ask, we ask that you would restore and give back all the energy that has been utilized bless and multiply this community and we thank you and come in agreement Lord that the Seattle Seahawks will win Super Bowl 52 in Jesus name and everybody said amen what was that go who 
Raiders, serious, bro? This man has great faith. You're clearly a believer, man. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You don't have to leave unless you want to. Um, I'm just teasing. Um, I remember, uh, I was, I think, 10 years old. I remember the longest I was ever away from my father until the day he passed away. I was 10 years old, and he was asked to go on a missions trip to Brazil to preach, and he would be gone for three weeks. I remember him getting the family together. Now, you may not have had the privilege of having a father figure like I did. My dad was my hero. He was always an inch taller, six, two and a half, played high school quarterback, had a big, strong, soothing voice. He was a man of integrity. He loved my mom. He loved me. He, we did crazy things together, played football, and he coached my teams, and he was my hero, and he would take Sundays off to come watch me play basketball, and I wanted to be just like my dad for as long as I can remember. I still recall being in the kitchen with Wendy and my older sister and my mom and dad said, now kids, I love you. I'm going to be gone for three weeks. I want you to be good. I'm going to go to Brazil. I have the privilege. Dad never said I have to. Dad never said like, you know, I have to go to Brazil. He said, I choose to go to Brazil. I get to go to Brazil to tell people about Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that exciting? Wendy and I were like, of course it is. You know, whatever you say, dad. He's like, I want you to pray for me every day. And when I come back, I'm going to bring a prize. He said, now, Judah, if you be a good boy, I'm going to bring you a prize. Now, I knew what a prize meant. Okay, I knew the game. Now, Dad was going to buy me a prize irregardless of my behavior. Plus, it was in the day where he wouldn't be able to find out what my behavior was because there wasn't cellular devices, and we didn't have the kind of cash for him to actually make a legitimate call from Brazil to Portland, Oregon. So I knew he wouldn't check up on me, and what a prize meant was I'm going to bring back a gift. Okay, and if you didn't burn down the house, okay, if you didn't make your mom mad and brush your teeth some of the days, I'm going to eventually give you the gift that I got you, right? So I remember thinking, man, dad's going to bring back a prize. It's going to be amazing. Now, when you're 10 years old, your understanding of linear time and space is warped. Now, if you're a parent, you understand what I'm, what I'm, what I'm talking about. And there's like eight parents in here tonight. So, so, so it's okay. You're young. You're beautiful. I get it. Um, but, 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 but when you have kids, uh, they, they ask the same question. And a lot of people think it's because it's they're being annoying. It's just that the brain has not been fully developed. So my mom would say, Dad's going to be gone three weeks. Next day, Dad's already gone. Next day, I'm like, is Dad getting home today? And she's like, my gosh, no. That's illogical. That makes, that's, that's a horrible conclusion. It's, in fact, it's horrendous. Your mathematics are fragmented and broken. You're incomplete emotionally and mentally. Like, no. No, he's not, it's, 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 a week is seven days. Times two, that's 14. Times three, that's another seven days. I can't add that up. But the point is, right, like, no, he's not coming back today. But every day, as God is my witness, my 10-year-old, skinny little, blonde-haired self asked every day, is today the day that dad's getting home? And my mom would have to deal with the same incredulous, like, what? No. Every day, every day. Is today the day? Is today the day? Is today the day? And I can, while I was preparing this talk, I mean, I can vividly, I'm 38 years old. I'm not 40 like Elijah, but I'm 38 <laughs> years old. I'm still mid-30s. Like Judith, that's late 30s. Shut up. It's my life. 
I can talk about it however I want. My mid-30s. And, and yet I still remember vividly the emotions that I had, the longing I had for my dad. This may sound funny to you, but I've missed my dad's big arms. I, this, this may sound crazy. I remember being 10, I missed how he smelled. I missed the sound of his voice. Sure enough, the day came. Mom woke us up. She says, your dad gets home today, 3 p.m. Today's the day? I said, Mom, today it had been three weeks. Now, again, when you're 10, three weeks is like a third of your life. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So it's been forever as far as I'm concerned. Right? Today's the day I could think of nothing else. All I could think, and to be completely honest with you, you may be surprised by this. I had actually forgotten about the prize. The prize didn't matter anymore. I just wanted my hero. I just wanted my dad. I just wanted to be in his arms. I wanted to hear him say, buddy. He called me buddy all the time. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. I just wanted to hear it. And so, well, I remember on that day how many false alarms. I thought for sure I heard him coming up the front porch. Somebody like, didn't he come through the garage? No, we didn't have a garage. Welcome to my life. I grew up in the hood. The point is, <laughs> shut up. The point is, we didn't have a garage. We had a wooden porch, and you could hear somebody coming from a mile away on that porch. And remember all day that day, it was like 10 a.m. Is dad coming home now? Mom would say, again, I cannot understand your brain. I said 3 p.m. What time is it, son? 10. Well, it's not 3, is it? No. But man, I would hear those noises. Dad's here! And I'd run to the front, open up the front door, look through the bars. Everything was barred. We lived in one of those neighborhoods. And it wasn't dad. It was a thief. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I like add on this part of the story that's not real. It was a man with a gun. <laughs> I feel like I'm losing the audience, so I just throw in an additive in the story. And shots fired. You know, like, Judah, you can't make this stuff up, bro. This is church. Um, it wasn't dad, it was no one. I probably, I probably had like five false alarms. Finally, I think I'm exasperated. I'm like, mom, you said today. She said, I said three, it's not three yet. You said today, when is he getting home? And sure enough, right around 3 p.m., I could hear his footsteps coming up. I mean, I can, I'm telling you right now, the way I feel on the inside is identical. I'm 38, mid 30s. I'm 38, and I can still feel the same emotion as that 10-year-old little boy. And I could hear his footsteps come up, open the door, and he would always go like this, honey, Wendy. And then he would say, my favorite child, Judah. That's how I remember it. I'm home. And the sprint ensued. Ran as fast as I could, and that was fast. I was very athletic. And before the knee surgeries, and I jumped in his arms. I mean, I remember, hey, buddy, I'm so proud of you. I love you. I've heard you've been a good boy. Like, he didn't know that, you know. I knew he didn't know that, but I went on for the game. It was a game. I liked it. You know, I heard you've been a really good boy. He was making faith statements about his son. <laughs> I was reading these verses the other day, and um, to be honest, I, we, we've been kind of studying a bit of this in our community, and so I was asking God, what else, is there anything else you want to say from this passage to our church and to our community? And I got real caught up with verse 8. 
And because it's there, Paul, Paul's kind of having a moment. He's like, yo, my time has come, but I'm about to get what's coming, and it's good. And then he pauses, and he's like, but you know what? You can get in on it too. In fact, everybody who eagerly looks forward to his appearing will receive the same reward. And it's funny, I, I read eagerly look forward to his appearing in the New Living Translation and that story, I had not thought about that probably my entire adult life and that story just happened to me sitting at my desk and all of a sudden, and I just felt like God said, I, I want you to have the same kind of anticipation and affection and expectation for my return. How do we eagerly look forward to his appearing? How do we eagerly look forward to his appearing? We are up in here in Zoe Conference and Zoe Church talking about the second coming of Jesus. Some of you are like, man, my grandma would love this service. Why is it always the old people in church? Oh, Jesus, come, Lord. And when you're young in church, you're like, I know why you're saying that you're 85, but I don't want him to come because I still got a life to live and I'm a virgin. So, Grandma, stop praying that stuff. I'm trying to... People are like, when did you get married? November 5th, 99. You do the math. Two months before Y2K. I thought at least I'd get two months. It, I'll be busy for those two months. But if Jesus comes back in Y2K, he's going to come back to a man that is not a virgin. So I got married in 99. Elijah and Amory got married in 99. Like, you think we're making this up. So I'm like, is this really a church thing? It's a church thing, bro. It's real. Preachers are like, Jesus is coming. And all the youth group are like, not yet, though, right? Like, not like, not like, not like now, though, right? Ten, tonight? <laughs> How do we eagerly look forward to his appearing. So Jesus set his face. Do you know why Jesus set his face? Maybe your answer is because he wanted to go to the cross. No, 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 he didn't. Listen to him in the garden. He's like, Lord, I don't want to do this. I will do it, but I don't want to do it. My will will do it, but my emotions don't want to do it. But I will do it because it's what you will me to do. He, no, he didn't, he didn't set his face to Jerusalem because he's like the cross. Yes. Woo. No, 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 no. Everything in his being was like, I don't want to do this. Why did he set his face? Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. The joy set before him. Jesus set his face because of what was set before him. Jesus set his face because of what was set before him. Jesus set his face because what was before him was not the agony, the excruciating uh, dying of suffocation on six hours on the cross. That's not what he was looking forward to. What he was looking forward to was making a place for you and me to be with him for eternity. Jesus set his face because of the joy set before him. You know how we look forward? Not because forward is all easy. Not because forward is all smooth. Not because forward is just going to be amazing. It'd be great to look forward if all the bad stuff was in the past. I'm down, right? 
People say good old days because there are past things that were more enjoyable than present and future. But Jesus leaned into his tomorrow, leaned into his cross because there was joy set before him, which in fact was eternal. And that eternal joy was the fact that you and I would be with him forever. Woo, man, there are a lot of people talking about, man, I am not trying to go into this next season. And we live in such small scope and scale in our faith and all we can think is the next week or the next season. And so we shudder at the thought of moving forward in our faith because there might be pain. And I wonder if it's because we actually don't know how to celebrate, anticipate, and expect his return. What is the last time your affections were excited or ignited because somebody said, he's coming soon? People get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be going home. Right? I love that song. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to stand here and lie to you. Take from the world is on. Right? When's the last time someone was like, how you doing? Bro, I'm having the roughest week of my life, but Jesus is coming soon. <laughs> When's the last time you had one of those conversations? Bro, are you sick? I am, but Jesus is coming soon. You're like, you're weird, man. You know, like, it's not even, for many of us, it's not even a part of our life. It's this thing way out there that we hope doesn't come too soon because, quite frankly, we're enjoying our new budding career. I'm kind of enjoying life, as you should. But there is this joy that ought to be set before us as it was for Jesus that will allow us to endure. Let me explain. About this time, you start talking about the second coming of Jesus, and some people are like, hook, line, and sinker. I'm in, preacher. Yes. Hate my life. Hate the planet. Really annoyed at people. Begun blogging recently about people, and I am so down. And so then they start little circles of friends and they all get together and they hold hands and they close their eyes and they're like, Jesus, get us out of here, please. Uh, hate this place, so many mean people, so many bad people, not us, them. Keep us from them, get us away from them and take us now. Close your eyes tight. Oh, we're still here. Uh. Right? And the second coming of Jesus is what? It's escapism. That's why people reject the joy of his return because there has been excessive abuse and extreme teaching that has led us to believe everybody who thinks their life sucks gets to be pumped about Jesus returning. But for the rest of us, hey man, you can go, I'm good, right? I'm loving my life. And now there are these factions amongst our belief system where there are those who anticipate his return. They're usually older. You do the math. And the younger in faith are like second coming. How about occupy till he comes? <laughs> right? Like, I'm not trying to escape. I'm trying to do what God's called me to do and get mine and be a light. You know what I'm talking about? Dropping records. <laughs> I don't know why I talk like that. But... I'm not trying to escape, man. I'm talking about, man, I'm down here doing the work of an evangelist. He can come when he wants to come. I'm not trying to be about that. I'm trying to do what God's called me to do. 
somebody tells you, man, let's celebrate the fact Jesus is coming soon. You're like, man, I don't need to celebrate Jesus coming soon. Jesus is already in my heart. He's present right now. I'm doing the work of the ministry. Let's go. And a lot of people are like, well, that sounds pretty per per persuasive. I should shut up about the second coming. Guess we should all just get out there in the concrete jungle and do the work of an evangelist. Guess I won't mention that again. That's why none of you have heard a message about the second coming, maybe in your lifetime. When's the last time a preacher was like, today we're doing an extended series on Jesus returning. How many are pumped about that? What's the second coming? <laughs> oh, it's when Jesus comes back with a tattoo. It's a true story, you know what I mean? Shout out to tats. I have one, it's not a big deal. Um, I got a tattoo with Pastor Chad, and mine's big. His is like, ooh, I wanna you know, be conservative. Um, it's all right, man, you know what I mean? Like, what are we doing right now? Like, I actually love your tattoo, but it just makes for good um, rhetoric. Um, I love preaching, because afterwards you, like, apologize to your friends. Like, hey, man, I kind of needed a light moment. We were going somewhere heavy. Sorry I had to use you. Like, what's Elijah wearing tonight? You know, like, start going into, you know what I mean? Um, sorry, too many friends here. It's too much fun. But... This idea of the second coming of Jesus is, in fact, is not escapism. It's not escapism. It's not escapism. I could prove it to you. John chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus says, um, uh, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, get me out of here. He says, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. So Jesus looked forward to eternity with you and me, and yet when push came to shove, he did not escape, he endured. See, what we've lost sight of is that the celebration, anticipation, and expectation of the second coming of Jesus is fact, it, is, it breeds endurance. It breeds expectation of good that enables us to endure difficult seasons like Jerusalem for Jesus. I am concerned that we are not anchoring ourselves to what is eternal hope and therefore we are temporarily being disenfranchised and befuddled and confused and we have cosmic questions about our faith because we have no understanding about the return and the restoration of all things when Jesus splits the sky and makes all things right. So, so, so we don't know how to endure. Isn't it crazy that our lack of ability to endure tough times oftentimes is connected to our misunderstanding of the return of Jesus. Now, what you may not understand in our passage tonight in 2 Timothy in chapter 4, verses 6, 7, 8, is that the writing of this by the Apostle Paul is approximately 35 years after the levitation of Jesus into the clouds. Do you know that story? Jesus is walk, walking with a crew, brings him up on a mountain, he's like, yo, I gotta go. And he starts to float, they're like, whoa, come back down. He's like, nope, nope, got to go, whoa. And he just keeps floating. I love these stories because we're like, wow, what a moment. Not really, right? It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you going? Hey! 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 And they stood there for an awkwardly long time until an angel's like, what are you doing? What do you mean, what are we doing, shiny man? We're wondering where he went. He's like, he went to heaven. 
He's going to come back. And they're like, okay, we'll stay. We'll wait. <laughs> For real. And he's like, ah, it's going to be a little bit, but it's going to be soon. <laughs> I love Jesus' timetable. Like his relationship to linear time and space is so unique. <laughs> soon, when you heard soon, and you're actually there watching him like fade into the clouds, you're like, soon, uh, next couple of weeks. Soon. Okay, cool. You understand, the early church, 30 years now, the church has only existed for about 30 years. This idea of the return of Jesus is so imminent. It's so literal. It's so actual. Because there are still people in the church who were actually, physically, tangibly there when he left. So they're like, at any moment he could return. Because it was crazy when he left. We were like, whoa, you're floating. And he's like, exactly, I'm going to keep floating. They're like, no, come down. Like It was, it was amazing. But he's going to come back soon. So we've lost what was so real to the early church. The early church lived in constant expectation of his return. Because there were people in real time who were like, he's going to return, bro. I was there. Wait, wait, you were there? I was there when he levitated. I was there. And he said he's going to come back, so I know he's going to come back. Okay, whoa. That would be some sober news. You'd be like, do you think it's soon? I know it's soon. He used the word soon. <laughs> whoa. Imagine the kind of expectation anticipation. It must have been like my 10-year-old self. There must have been so much affection entangled with this idea that he would come back soon. And what would he do? He would finally fix everything that we try our best to but really totally can't. And they must have sat around fire sometimes and said, I can't wait for him to come back. I miss him. And it hurts down here. And we're trying to help as many people as we can. But you, have you noticed, we can't keep up with the plagues. We can't keep up with the disease. We can't keep up with the knuckleheads. We can't keep up with the drug dealers. Man, the church is growing. It's amazing. It's awesome. But there's still so many problems. Do you think he's going to come back soon? I think it's going to be soon. Why? Because he said soon. Okay. Okay. 2,000 years later, many of you can't remember if you've ever heard a sermon on him coming back. I wonder if we've lost something that is paramount in the teachings of Scripture. I wonder if we've lost it, and I wonder if it's robbing us of our ability to endure, to expect he's going to return. Are, are you like me? I, I wonder how many days I've spent on the planet with absolutely zero consciousness of his soon coming return. Not even a thought. Doesn't even enter my mind. I think about real estate and economy and friends and shopping and church and scripture and food and my wife and sex and, you know, it, it always gets a reaction, even when it's like in a normal progression like that. But when's the last time someone's like, dude, I've just been thinking about, he could come at any minute. Cool, man. Are you in Bible college right now? Like what? <laughs> Are you like me? I've thrown myself in to helping the planet, to be honest. I want to help people on the planet. I really do. And so like we're, we're like Zoe Church, like Vu Church, City Church is involved in efforts around the world. We have mission trips going all the time. I love to send them. I never want to go on them. 
but we're, we're helping with the clean water initiative. We're helping trying to solve poverty. We're doing our best with injustice within even our own country and all of these inequities in the world. We're doing our best, but I wonder if we've gotten so busy trying to patch up this broken realm that we have forgotten there is truly only one who can fix it. And he will fix it when he returns. When he returns. And we don't know how to deal with that. So what should we do? Well, we should endure, but we should not forget that in all of our efforts, we will not be capable of doing what he will do. What he will do. Can I say it like this? We get so caught up helping this world um, and as we should, and I think we should love people, they're eternal, I think we should love creation, of course, we should love the rivers and the hills, we should love architecture, and we should love all the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but, 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 but and of course, we should love the creator, but, 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 but we're not supposed to love the priorities and the perspectives and the proclivities of this world. Because First John tells us that this world is passing away with all of its desires. But sometimes you get so close to helping the world, you start getting entangled with the same affections the world has, and you lose sight of the fact that this world is not your home. I'm not home here. This, this, isn't, this isn't my end. This isn't my home. This isn't where, no, 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 no. He's coming soon. Who's coming, Dad? What's he coming? He's bringing me home. So people get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon we're going to go home. That's a song lyric, man. But it's true. How, how, how do we really eagerly look forward to his return? I, um, I'm ending right here. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I ran over to the last verse in the Bible yesterday. And um, it's in the book of Revelation. And I was talking to a friend today, and he's, he's Catholic. He comes to our church, and he's like, hey, man, I'm really scared of the book of Revelation. You should preach on the book of Revelation today. That, that book is crazy, man. I'm just like, do you like that book? You actually like that book. I'm like, no, I, I, I'm kind of obligated to like all books in the Bible. It's kind of how it works, but, you yeah, know, it's, it's a good book. Um, but the book of Revelation, you know how it ends? Do you know how it ends? Revelation 22, verses 20 and 21. I promise this is, this is where we're ending. And, and John writes this. This is a letter from John the Beloved. It's a vision he had on the island of Patmos, and he records his exotic vision. And he ends with this. He says, he who testifies to these things, Jesus, says, surely I'm coming soon. Now watch how John responds to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to pen this letter. John, out of the depths of his being, says, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I read those words and I was like, dang. When is the last time these prayerful statements affected my desires and affections? I'm supposed to, can I say it like this? I'm supposed to relate 
to that emotional disposition that John finds himself in. I'm supposed to be someone who's so in love with Jesus, who understands this world is passing away. I'm supposed to be so entangled with the eternal. I'm supposed to be so caught up with the reality of Jesus and the vastness of his authority, his rule, and his reign, and his soon coming restoration, that when Jesus says, I'm coming soon, something inside of me, whether I'm old or young, says, oh, come. I want your new world. I want your new order. I want your reality. You can take my career. You can take my politics. You can take my endeavors. You can take my retirement. You can take my investments. All that's passing. You want to come? You can come today as far as I'm concerned. This place is broken. This place is longing. We need you, Jesus. You want to come? Come now. Come right now. I'm tired of playing games. No, this world is passing. This is not your end. This is not the end all be all. This is not the goal. This is not your home. It's passing. And if Jesus says he's coming soon, I hope it's now. How can you say that? Because he's that real to me. What can compare to him? Oh, I I don't want him to come right now. I'm I'm trying to kind of get this career going. Your career, come on now. God is so proud of the fact that you just paid off your student debts. God is so proud of your vision and your purpose and your plan. He's proud of your job. He's proud of your spouse. He's proud of your girlfriend. But all of that will fade and pass away. And what will remain is Jesus, his forgiveness, his love, his mercy, a new heavens and a new earth. So if you're coming soon, come now. I mean, at least, at least we should be able to relate, to relate with that emotion. At least. But I read those verses and I thought, I can't even relate. People talk about Jesus coming back and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. We down here trying to build church. He is the cornerstone. He is everything we need. I'm done. It dawned on me, and just stay where you are. It dawned on me, like I'm staying where I am. Okay, it dawned on me. I love preachers. No one move. We weren't moving, bro. It dawned on me why 2 Timothy 4 starts the way it starts. Look at this, verses one, two, three, four, five. L- l- look at this, 2 Timothy, and I, I just gotta read this to you. I can't impress this on you too strongly. God is looking over your shoulder. Christ himself, the judge, with the final sound, everything, living and dead, he's about to break into the open with this rule. That is code language for he's about to come back. Watch what it says about how we're supposed to live. He's about to break into the open, so proclaim the message with intensity. Keep on your watch, challenge, warn, urge your people, don't ever quit, just keep it simple. In other words, if you are looking, if you're eagerly looking forward to his return, do you know what ends up happening to your life? You end up living like this. 
You end up living a gospel-centric life. For do you know what the next and final verse of the entire book of Revelation says? It says, and may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Which is to say, come Lord Jesus, in the meantime, the message of your grace and your forgiveness is going to be the center focus of our living, our loving, our leading, our serving, our conversing. We are going to preach the word. That's not for preachers with a mic. That's for followers of Jesus who can go to Starbucks and tell somebody about Jesus. I promise. I'm almost done. And it goes on and it says, and then I want to say this to Zoe Church. You're going to find that there will be times when people have no stomach for solid teaching. And this city knows what that's about. There's going to be times, but we'll fill up on spiritual junk food. Catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. They'll turn their backs on the truth and chase mirages. But you, listen to me, Zoe Church, we are not a church that are going to blog and publicly stand up against others who aren't doing it right or who in error or have bad theology. No, but for you, Zoe Church, you know what you're going to do? You're going to keep your eye on what you're doing on what you're called to do. You're going to stay in your lane. Don't spend another moment of your time trying to critique somebody else in some other church, in some other ministry. You keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive. And that's it, man. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's all I got. That's it. That's it. See, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set my face and I'm going to eagerly look forward to his return. And what is going to result in me is an expectation of the Lordship of Jesus that will give me an endurance to keep the message alive. I'm going to keep the message alive. I'm going to sing about Jesus. I'm going to write about Jesus. I'm going to paint about Jesus. I'm going to talk about Jesus. You're not going to be able to shut me up. We're going to keep the message alive for he is coming soon. He is coming soon. Surely I'm coming soon. So you know what, Jesus? We say, come, Lord. Come soon. Come now. We anticipate your return. We love you. You are the restorer of the breach. You are the bridger of the gap. You are the healer. You are the deliverer. You are the provider. May justice roll down the streets as rivers and streams. God, we trust you. We rely on you. And we set our face forward tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.